Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray that this message inspires hope, help, and healing in your life. And as always, welcome home. We're going to give you some practical truths tonight that are going to, you know, it's, it's not going to be anything super deep. It's going to be, maybe you've heard some of these things before, but how many of you know you can hear something over and over and over again? And as we say that faith comes by hearing, faith goes as quickly as you forget or resist what you heard, right? Yeah. So we're going to give you some tools tonight. And we're going to start off just talking for a moment about just some differences between men and women, just for context. How many of you know that men and women are totally different in every way, right? Now, listen, as I go through some of these things, I, I was doing a premarital session once, and I was like, women typically think this way, and the gentleman interrupted me every single time to tell me that was actually how he thought, and not just women. I said, sir, I said, typically, and he's actually not married anymore, so maybe that was why. No, I'm just, um, but, but so when we say these things, don't go, well, that's not true about me. Just, you know, I'm just going to go through just a few physiological differences between men and women, just for some context here. So physically, when you look at men and you look at women, there's a reason that men and women do not compete together in most sports, right? Why? Now all these women, well, I'm stronger than any man. That's wonderful. Go be stronger than any man. But typically, men have greater muscle mass, right? Um, they're more muscular. Uh, women are typically only half as strong in their upper body than men potentially are, um, unless you go to CrossFit, which those girls scare me sometimes. Um, <laughs> but and I think they scare the guys too. No, but, but typically, and honestly, in our lower bodies, women, we're about two-thirds as strong in our lower bodies as men. Um, metabolically, the male metabolism burns calories way faster. Have you ever tried to go on a diet with your husband and he lost 20 pounds and you lost two and you did the exact same thing and you wondered why, right? Can I get an amen from anybody? Yes. Um, and, and realistically, the female metabolism, we tend to convert more food to fat rather than burning it. That's just a physiological difference in our bodies, not anything we can change. When it comes to strength and endurance, if you look at male athletes, they usually have a higher ra uh, ratio of muscle mass to body weight, and um, you know that allows them to be much faster at speed and acceleration. But an interesting thing is that women and female athletes are better at converting things to energy. So a lot of times you can see like in a race longer than a marathon, you can, you'll see men and women running together because women are equally matched in that way. Whereas if you see a shorter race, I don't know about you, the Olympics, the Summer Olympics were on last year. How many of you saw women and men running in those short races together? None, right? Because it just isn't right. There's, they're two separate beings. So then when it comes to mentally, the same way that there's physical differences, there's mental differences too. There's differences in the way that a, a male brain processes things, and there's a difference in the way a female brain processes things. So if you look about this, men's brains go from front to back. They go this way, which is awesome. It means that because realistically, it heightens perception. Men are wired for action. They are wired to when they see something to create, to, to go for it, to have action, to look. Pastor Chris is always telling me that, are you aware of your surroundings? I'm like, yes, I'm aware of my surroundings. He's like, you're not, not paying attention. I'm she like, not. I saw everything already. She don't pay attention. No. He says, I don't pay attention. So a lot of times they have a stronger connection in their brain for like motor skills and things like that. Uh, but realistically, you know, when we look at thinking and feelings, those are in the left and right halves of our brains, not the front to back. So when you look at a man, a lot of times I learned this from my friend Bob Fisher, who's here. Thank you, Dr. Bob, for being here. Not too much. But 
he told me something once. He said, men do not think and feel at the same time. If you are a woman and you've ever tried to have an emotional conversation with your husband and you're pouring out your heart to him and you're telling him all these things and you're expecting this emotional response, and has he ever just looked at you and said, oh, okay. I have had those conversations with Pastor Chris, and I said, and I'm like, don't you care how I feel? It's like, I was like, what do you have to say about that? How do you feel about what I just told you? And he would look at me and say, um, I think it's great. I'm just listening to you. And I'm like, you don't care that my heart is hurting and I'm this, you know, because I was all emotional because men either think or feel. It's not a bad thing and it's not a slight. That's the way their brains are wired. So a lot of times women, just a little aside, we might be looking for an emotional response where our man is just thinking about what we're saying. Um, And so you look at that, there's a lot of times where that's how men's brains work, and women have more left-to-right connections more than front-to-back. So that means that we might have a greater advantage when it comes to, you know, putting together information. Um, You know, the thinking and feeling thing at the same time is great, except for a lot of times when we're supposed to be thinking, we might actually be feeling instead. Anyone ever, you're supposed to make a logical decision, but you're letting your feelings get in the way. Um, and Because our left half of the brain handles our logical thinking, and our right half of the brain is associated with our intuition and our feelings. Mm. Um, and it's not bad. Now, I will say this. Even though men's brains are typically larger, that doesn't mean they're smarter because there's no difference in IQ between men and women, even though a man's brain is larger than a woman's, but that doesn't affect their thinking. So guys don't walk around going, I have a bigger brain, you know. Um, and, and so we look at that. And if, But in female brains, there's more um, wiring in the regions that are linked to memory and social cognition. So when you look at that, we think completely different. Men and women are wired to think completely different, and guess what? It's okay. That's why God put man and woman together. Pastor Chris said something the other day that men and women are really just two halves of a whole. And that's why God brought it. I need, when I'm emotional, I need a thinker to pull me out of my emotions and say, no, even though I do not like it when I'm emotional for him to tell me to be logical and reasonable, right? Because mm-hmm. we want to, come on, can we be real? Has does anyone else like just want to wallow in your feelings for a minute? And your husband has been like, okay, well, here's what we need to do. And they're just logical and you're like, right? But the thing is, we need that. Where sometimes when men are just in the thinking mode, they might need a little bit of emotional emotion and feeling in that. So there's I nothing think, wrong with well, it. Let me add this in. This is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got some of this stuff just because you got to realize something. There's a psychological side of everything, which there is. Mm-hmm. And then, and there is. You know, your, your electrodes, the way everything works and is wired. And that's, that's, that's exactly right and true. And that helps you understand and then we, we, sooner or later, we get to the, the word of God, and it, it, it goes right along. It doesn't contradict, it complements. Mm-hmm. And then for us, it becomes the standard of the believer's life. Sooner or later, we've got to be doers of the word. So watch this, right? So what I was saying was the other day we were on the radio, the way I look at it. See, everybody was an Adam in the beginning, all right? There was one, Adam. Adam, in Adam, Eve came out of Adam, Okay? You gotta realize this. So because she came out of man, you're fighting for oneness the rest of your life in your relationship. Because God is trying to put you back to the place where you originated together. See it? So what happens is you were one, Adam. Now he takes woman, womb, man. She comes out of man, and now you fight to come back. And everything in the earth is, and you, let me tell you what happens. And Eve, I tell this to everybody, you gotta kill Adam and you gotta kill Eve. 
there ain't no doubt in my mind. I don't need, I don't need to know your background. I don't know where all that stuff. I get it, but I'm just trying to help you see this, okay? Everybody's got them. You got to reprogram your head. It's a little bit of a process, but if you allow the process to take place, it'll work because all you're going to fight for is oneness, and the problem is everybody's going to try to use control if you're not careful to get this thing to be kind of working out on their side. So watch this. If you're, if you're, now women, I want you to hear me because this is good. If you're a wife, like most women, you, scar, you see characteristics in your husband in your life and your husband doesn't think like you think and that bothers you greatly. It's okay. It's the same thing for the guys, but you got to realize something. But there's a good reason why he doesn't think and act like you because in verse 21 in Genesis 2.21, he said this, after he caused him to sleep, he took out of Adam a rib. And basically, that means God took out or removed out of man everything that makes you a woman. You see it? And this is what, I mean, most of the guys will, if you get this, you'll understand this. I said this, I believe this, I believe this. A man needs a woman more than a woman needs a man. I'm convinced of it. You understand what I mean? Because what it is, is she produces a place of completeness inside of you of stuff we don't have. And the problem is, that doesn't mean one's better than the other, but there's a resource, and that's what she's saying. There's an area that you're looking to get out of your spouse. It's not in me anymore, it's in you. And now, and let me tell you why I really believe this, and I don't want to, I'm not going to hog the time because there's too much stuff to follow. I think God did it from the beginning on purpose. Because Adam's in the garden with God, and Adam basically tells God, as far as I see it, you're not enough. Because it, it was God and Adam. And God's got no problem, and he looks inside of man and goes, it's not good for you to be alone. Even though you think me and you would just be okay together, no, no problem, because they're going to come out sooner or later. But he says what? I'll make you a helpmate, a helper. See, and that's, that's the fight a lot of you girls got to see. You're not the leader, you're the helper. And you got you to balance that. We'll help, we'll do this. Maybe we'll do this again, you know what I mean, whatever. But here's the thing I want to leave you with, and then we're going to piggyback this. This is really cool, because I think this helps us see it. What happens is, you get back to that, that garden state of mind, right? And you start understanding that, hey, wait a minute, this is the way God set it up and he put a divine order together. If you get the order figured out, it makes life simpler. So there's things inside here that you, so what does God do? Adam, you're not, I'm not enough for you. Okay, I'll make Eve, that's great. I'll put her in her, but guess what? I'm gonna put something in her you gotta try to draw out. She's gonna put something inside of you and the only way you guys can be complete is if I'm in the center. So once you start trying to get around this thing without me, you're in trouble. Because God's not gonna give that place to no one, so it's gotta flow through him. He loves, God's obsessed with order. So once you get order right, it works right. You see what I'm saying? So God's got no problem saying, hey, I'll give you this, this what you need, but here's the deal, you're not gonna get it. So you can't push it out of her, I can't force it out of her. Some of you guys tried to fight it out, yell it out, scream it out, force it out, you're not gonna get it. The only way you get it, you gotta love it out of her. And if she doesn't feel the environment safe, she's not gonna, she's not gonna come to a place where she's, she's gonna come to that place of connection, and that's the most important thing you gotta see. There's only one way to get this thing out of either one of us, and that's love. Absolutely, you know, and something that you said was so good, and, and I wanna touch on it with a really quick second before we go back to our notes, is that, you know, when you look at that God said I'm gonna make that the woman is to be a helper, a lot of times women balk at that because they see that as something less than. But what you need to write, if you really study that out, that word helper that is used is the same word that is used to describe God multiple times through the Bible. And so in that time, in, when the Bible was written, the culture was not that women were elevated. 
But by saying that I will create a helper suitable, there is no helper suitable for him, that was actually an elevation of women above what society saw them to be. Mm. Because God has called our helper. So not that you're above, but it is actually an honor to be considered to be a helper to your spouse because that, that's beyond what culture saw the woman to be. But God didn't see that. And so, so the next time you're like, oh, I'm his helper. Yeah, you're his helper. You come alongside and complete in a way that no one else can. Mm-hmm. You know, so we talked a little bit about differences between men and women. And, and there's one more that I want to talk about because I think this is something that, that we, is important to remember. That's something I've heard many times but I've also forgotten many times is how we talk. Now, you know, I, I've seen plenty of, I saw this meme once. It was hilarious. It was a couple, they were laying there in the bed, and you could see the thought bubbles above their head. And this is the woman's thought bubble. It's this long. She's thinking, why isn't he talking to me? He's probably going to leave me. I don't understand what's happening. Maybe he's, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Why is he, why is he have that look on his face? What's going on? I wonder what he's thinking. And this is what his thought bubble says. Did I let the dog out? Why? Because when it comes to words and expressing themselves, women are much more verbal than men, and that is okay, and it's not a negative thing. You know, like a lot of time when a man wants to talk, he might be thinking, what do you want to do this weekend? Where do you want to go to dinner? But how many of you husbands have heard your wife say, we need to talk, and you inwardly go, oh gosh, what did I do now? Right? Because it carries different connotations. I've heard women say, well, he never wants to talk to me when he gets home. Well, here's the thing, ladies. Women speak at about 250 words per minute. Men typically, except for Pastor Chris, speak at about 125 words per minute. Pretty fast. He speaks very fast, so I can't say that. And in the course of a day, ladies, did you know we have about 25,000 words that we need to get out during the course of a day compared to a man's 12,500 or 12,000 that he has? Sometimes at the end of the day, it's not that he doesn't want to talk anymore. It's just that he's all talked out. He's already used his words, and you're just getting started. You ever think that? I mean, I'm just speaking from my own experience, the many conversations I've had where I'm talking and talking and talking, and he's like his eyes are glazing over, right? Because why? We have different... We, that's one of the reasons, like, we can out-talk men. How many of you women know you can out-talk your man, right? We can out-talk them. And we also have different conversational styles. Women are more verbal. As we said, typically, we talk faster when we get excited. We've got a lot of things to say. We're, we can touch that thinking and feeling side, so it's easy for us to verbalize things where men take a longer time sometimes to figure out what they want to say and how they want to say it. So a lot of times, women, we may tend to interrupt our partners when they're looking for the right words to say. We might jump in and finish the sentence for them or assume we know what they're talking about. Can I get an amen? I see a lot of nodding women, which is awesome. You're saying, yes, we do do that. But the problem with that is a lot of time the male counterpart will shut down when that happens because they feel like, wow, I'm not being heard anyway. Mm. So sometimes we have to consciously be conscious that, okay, now what do you want to say? And listen, I'm very good at interrupting. How about you? I'm telling on myself. I'm hugely good at interrupting, Um, you know, and so that's what we have to understand. But understanding the differences between men and women really gives us a one. One thing it does is it's important to recognize, recognizing that now I'm not frustrated now when he's not feeling what I want him to feel because I realize he's thinking about it and I want him to really process things. But we, it, it really it helps. It gives everyone a little more empathy 
when it comes to emotional situations. Um, and understanding each other is huge when it comes to creating intimacy and creating that bond in our relationships. Um, the need to be understood is a human desire that everyone has. That is realistically a, that men and women both have a desire to be understood. And maybe you're sitting out there going, I don't care if anyone understands me or not. I guarantee that you have a need to be understood on the inside of you. Um, and so it's this powerful emotion I, many times I'm talking to Pastor Chris, I just want him to feel where I'm coming from. And he'll be like telling me something. I'm like, no, I just want you to understand me. Have you ever said that to anyone? I just want you to understand what I'm saying because that's how we do it. So we, it's important to learn how to understand each other. Yeah. And, and not everyone communicates in the same way. Not everyone thinks the same way. Not everyone feels the same way. But it's important when you are in a relationship to learn how to communicate love. Yeah. I think the good thing is like this, this is why you know this is right on, spot on. It's like, okay, because we're going to get into this. And sort of, I think this is the most important thing that, to get you guys to see is that we, we don't, of course, no one thinks the same. Because we don't think the same, we usually argue the point to get the other person to see what we're thinking the way we're thinking. And then what happens is it causes stress in there because it's like you're not seeing what I need to see. So transparent communication, we'll get there in a minute. But I want to get you this one point right here. Because I, like I said, you're going to go so far and then you're going to have to get to the word. So I think mechanically, right, guys, we're solution-oriented, right? We, we want to come up with solutions. We problem-solve. We try to fix it. You know what I mean? They're, they're sometimes emotional or whatever's going on, and we, just, we have a solution. We think mechanical. One, two, three, four. And I think what helped me was Jesus. He really did because I was, he did help me because I'm like, all right, because when Jesus was going to Lazarus, it really opened my eyes. You gotta realize something. Jesus is like, he's, he's teaching, he's a master teacher. So it's really like he's teaching through these parables, but you gotta catch what he's saying so you could understand. So I'm watching, you know, you guys heard me in church a little bit about this, but I'm watching Jesus. We're going to go see Lazarus. I understand how it's going. So everybody's like, hey, where are we going? Hey, he's like, hey, we're going to hang out for a minute. We're going to go see Lazarus. He's sick. And it's like, okay, Lazarus is sick. That's cool. All right, he's sick, right? Got it. Then like two days later, you know, Lazarus is dead and it's good that he's dead. Well, I didn't even know he was dying. You said he was just sick, whatever. But Jesus gets to the stone that he's going to tell to roll and move and Mary and Martha meet them. And they're, they're weeping, they're crying, they're emotional, they're pretty much hysterical because they think that he could have helped if he would have been there earlier. And he says, I'm the resurrection in life. Right? You know the story, everybody knows the story. Did Jesus know why he was going there? Absolutely. He's like, I'm gonna raise him from the dead and it's good that he's dead. So why does he weep? Right? No, think. Why is he think, yeah. He's feeling what Mary and Martha feel, even though he knows he's the solution. He doesn't come with the solution because the solution isn't going to be received right now. He's got a feel in the moment, and then he could bring the solution. It's the simplest Bible scripture there is. It's too, Jesus wept. Everybody wants to study that one as their scripture reference, right? Because it's easy. The kids love it. Jesus wept. <laughs> I want the Jesus wept one. But you understand what I'm saying. I'm like, why are you crying? Why are you crying when you know you got the answer? You know he's not dead. You know he's not going to die. But here's the thing. Insensitivity in the moment is not what he's about. He's feeling what they're feeling even though he's the solution. So what God wants us to do sometimes is feel what the other people's feeling, or especially your spouse. But here's the problem for the guys. 
I look at her sometimes and I go, what your feeling's not true. Still doesn't make a difference that it's not true. We're not going to stay there long, but I still got to validate what she's feeling. Because I can't guide her beyond what she's feeling, even though it's really not true, until she feels like I hear her. Because this is what we're fighting for. Now watch this, and I'm going to leave this part. We're going to go. We're fighting. Now watch. I'm going to bring you back to Adam and Eve through the whole journey, because whether you want to hear it or not, I know where you are. What happens the minute they sin? They got to go put fig leaves and what? Become non-transparent. They were the most transparent people on the face of the earth because they were in glory. They're naked. They don't even care. The minute sin shows up, boom, get leaves, cover us up. I can't expose myself to you because now I have what? A sin consciousness. So you think you're transparent. You're not transparent. You're nowhere near transparent. We lie to ourselves. You're transparent. We're not transparent. Because why? You know how vulnerable you got to become to become really transparent? So now you're fighting to regain everything we lost in that garden, and you better reprogram your head to this stuff. And if you're not careful, you know what you do? I could live without it. Now you start creating distance. I tell Pastor Liz this all the time. You have to eliminate distance in any relationship if it's going to be healthy. And the minute you start getting what? Distance. What do we do? Everybody starts getting more distant and more distant and now distant and more distant and more distant and less transparent and more distant. And what's that mean? Now we got a big wedge. But why? It's really pride. I don't, you could get mad, get mad, get over it. It's pride because I don't want to. I don't want to surrender to this and be like, "Oh, it's me. It is you." Until you look in the mirror and say, "I want to change me," you don't really grow. But you see what I'm saying? So these are the things that are there. So you fight for transparency. You 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 fight for these places of understanding. But you got to. And I think where we're going to take you, you know, like what PL is going to take you is really good. This is the thing that I think helped us the most was you got to sometimes pause in these moments and not come up with solutions. You got to come up with communication, but you got to come up with a solution in a general moment, not right then and there. Because here's the problem. If you don't validate one another, what do you feel? You don't feel like anybody's listening to you. You don't feel understood. Because half the time when you're crying and complaining, the guys do it too. We're like big babies. Honey, let me tell you something, honey. You're married to a five-year-old. It is. It's just adult five-year-olds. We want attention. I want. She's my greatest cheerleader. I'm telling you, ladies, I'm telling you, listen. She's my greatest cheerleader. She, your wife can unlock potential and you no one else can unlock. The thing is, though, what happens is sometimes we're fighting for this, this controlled dominancy thing within the marriage and instead of taking roles and responsibility, because you got to remember something. In the, I'm going to tell you something right now. In the garden, Eve had just as much authority as Adam. The only reason why she, she was told after the fall was to come to a place here because her brilliant, and I've seen it, you know, it's funny. Her brilliance got her in trouble, but his, you know where Adam's problem was? And I was talking about this. Adam wanted harmony in his relationship more than he wanted to step into his place of authority. And men will relinquish authority in the home for harmony in the home. So you won't stand up for certain things you need to stand up because she needs me to keep her covered because she's brilliant, she's beautiful, but if she gets too far over, she's dangerous the truth man that doesn't mean she's because why because she'll get too far into this realm of emotion and it's not safe for her and you got to be kind and loving and cool but i'm telling you that's what it was. and then right there that's where the shift came because everybody gets all excited especially the guys right what's the first thing everybody starts playing you got to listen to me like jesus said in that bible somewhere you got to submit you know they all come in my office submit and what's the first thing she say hey Love me like Jesus loved the church. So, guys, you got to sacrifice. It's a constant sacrifice. 
It's a constant surrender. It's a constant this. And what is she doing? She's understanding that, hey, look, I, I'm covered in a healthy way, not out of control, but out of a loving way. And you get the order right, you get the thing working. If the order gets out of place, now, what, what happens when anything's out of order in your life? It doesn't flow right. So you got to get order right. But you guys got to remember this too, because this is a little mini nugget that's really good. A lot of you guys, for the sake of harmony, have relinquished authority. And you can't do that. Because that's what Adam didn't want to get into. You don't think Adam heard the serpent? He heard the serpent. He just didn't want to bust up harmony somehow. I'm telling you, it's true. Because he should have just been like, "Put that, get that out of your hand. What are you doing? Now, that doesn't mean to be rude, but why? Some, how many times have you guys, for the sake of harmony, because the guy wants peace. All you guys want is peace. You don't care. Drapes, paint, who cares? Couch, I don't care. Car, I could care less, right? What do you want? You want peace in the home, but sometimes for the lack of confrontation, a little bit healthy, you guys relinquish authority, and now the next thing, the house is off the rail. It's true. So here's what it is. So we got to balance and health. How are you ever going to get to there if you don't trust your spouse? You're not going to listen. You're not, you're not, it's not that she's got to listen. Nobody's going to listen. And now you got a power struggle in the home for who's going to you know, try to be the, the one that's listening to who. It's ridiculous. you gotta, you got to overcome that stuff. The only way, it's transparency. Here's the problem with transparency. you got to fight for it because i got news for you. You lost it in the beginning in that garden. Because once those fig leaves came on, buddy, I'm telling you right, and everybody's like, oh, I'm a new creature in Christ. Let me tell you how hard you're going to have to renew your mind if you're not really paying attention to the word of God. This ain't just like you became it and now you automatically walk in it. you got to reprogram your head, man. You know, we were talking about, Bob was funny, we were talking about neuroplasticity, you know, like getting your head to rewire. I'm telling you right here now, that's, that's, that's naturally you got to do it, right? You know, we had, uh, what's your face is like real... Um, She's a psychiatrist, and she's, no, the one over here, but she's real smart. She knew how it worked and how it did it, and it was funny, and I was laughing that one day, and I said, man, that's just the project in the natural. Spiritually, we could do it, but you know what that means? We have to become doers of the word. Jesus screaming about in the word, don't be hearers only, but be doers of the word. Why is that? Because if you don't become a doer of what you start hearing, you deceive your own heart. That's James chapter one. What happens if you deceive your own heart? You're self-deceived. I hear it, I look in the mirror of the word, but I forget what man or a man I am, and the next thing what? And then what do you do when you go to stuff like this? You try it for a minute, right? And then I try, oh, I'm gonna do it. Try all. it for like three days. Yeah, and then you, she didn't change, so I quit. Right? Right? She didn't get better. I did the stuff. You, you fire. I, 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 I like it, right? You fire, watch this, everybody in here, you fireproofed your marriage. You, you, you did all those books, you, you did that, what was that one they were doing there? The one that, they all, the last one, the last one when she went and turned, y'all turned your closet into a prayer closet? Did y'all do that? Room, yeah. yeah, you went, what was that? War room. Yeah, war room, you all turned your closet into a prayer room, now it's a mess because all your clothes are in your bedroom and you ain't using that closet, come on, stop. You want to know where it's going to start when you look in the mirror and you change. It ain't some new gimmick. It's not the prayer of Jabez. It's not going to be the 20-day fast. It's going to be you wake up every day and go, I'm reprogramming this noggin to not do what it wants to do, but to do it the way God wants it done. And that means this, you got to transform yourself. And I can't look at her to go, oh, she's doing a great job. Now I'm going to do my part. You got to live that Philippians 2, 4, 6, 8. I've been talking about it, right? You got to choose, but I, I really want you to get in those, those things are good. This is so it's good. It's so good though. And you know, I will say that, you know, there's, there's a lot of times and I will just, I mean, I'll be, I'm, I have no problem. You know, Pastor Chris and I are pretty transparent. We, we tell you guys like a lot of stuff, right? I mean, there was a lot of times I literally was like, 
he just needs to change because I'm doing this right. I am forgiving. I said this on the radio. There were several days when I took a walk and said I forgave him 490 this times. This is really because good. Because it says forgive 70 times wait. 7. I'm serious. Wait. No, wait. You got to really hear what she said. You guys are not paying attention. I counted. Let's loosen up. Everybody loosen up. Just look at your neighbor and say loosen up. Listen. Look at your neighbor and say loosen up. I literally asked her. I said, you did not really say 490 times you forgive me. Seven said, days in a row. She yes, said, I, I took did. a walk and did it. That's yes, a record. I, did. I said, I forgive him. One, How many has got a testimony like that? I forgive him three. I forgive him four. I forgive him five. And you I did it 40... times, and I did that 49 times, and so that's 490. No, but what I'm saying that's is amazing. it's very easy to You're my hero. I'm forgiving. I'm loving. 490. I'm 490. Seven days in a row. Yes. Seven days in My a row. My God in heaven. But you want to know, I and everyone's sitting here going, what the heck did he do? Don't worry about it. He's okay now. I don't do anything. He doesn't I'm pretty do much anything. angelic. Or every time I kind of see me in the mirror, I kind of see angels flying around my head. Are you like that? Praise the Lord. I didn't do anything. I'll just say I the know she's talking about. extra for me. So no, I, but what I'm trying to say is it can be easy to focus on what the other person is doing or not doing and then to justify why you are correct in feeling the way you feel. But it was not until I looked in the mirror and said, God, there's probably some things in me that you've been trying to get me to see that you find true freedom. So I want to encourage you to just, you know, like take a good look at like Pastor Chris said, you got to look in the mirror. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's going to be you and Jesus standing there. Good. Jesus is going to look at me and he's not going to say what he did. He's going to look at me and say, what did you do? What was your response? Mm. Did love remember a suffered wrong? Because love does not remember a suffered. I've remembered. I always forgive, but I do not forget. I can quote back to him. Remember in 2014 on the Saturday night, you said, blah, blah, blah. I don't do that anymore. I'm redeemed from that. But <laughs> She's thinking it, though. I could tell. Sometimes, but not all the time. I'm getting better. You want to know When she what? goes like this, I know she's thinking it. Billy, I know she's got it in the archive. I was archive. not thinking that in the office earlier, Dave. I wasn't thinking she that was. in the office earlier. She was. She went there. Did you feel it? No. Yeah, so, you can feel it. Tell the truth. You can feel it. The atmosphere went there. So the bottom line is, like, we have to really take a look at ourselves and figure out, like, we have to be willing to look in the mirror, get our toes stepped on really hard by the Holy Spirit, and then make the changes that he's asking us to make. But one of the things we also can do in our relationship, and we're going to go practical here for a minute because it's super important, is, you know, if I just right now started speaking Portuguese, how many of you would understand anything that I'm saying? Unless you're from Brazil or, or from Portugal, then you would not know, right? I, I learned a little Portuguese. I could speak it. I cannot now, but I, I did. I could speak. I could ask for a chicken and a Coke and tell somebody to have a nice day in Portuguese. But if I started speaking Portuguese, I might be very passionate about what I have. You ever watched like a different, somebody speaking a different language and they're passionate and you just wish you knew what they were talking about? Because they were excited about it. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to how we give and receive love. Every one of us has a love language that we give and receive love. And if we don't understand first what our love language is, and if we definitely, if we don't understand what our partner's love language True. is, we might be giving love in the way that we think they receive it. And it's like speaking Portuguese and they have no idea what we're doing. You know, so in your book that you have, 
Um, there's, uh, we, we want you to take a couple of quizzes. Yeah. You have a little book. There's some QR codes that you can scan. Not, don't do it right now. Do it later because it takes some time. I want to encourage all of you to take the love languages quiz and then talk about it with your partner to find out what their love language is. Because, uh, you know, Pastor Chris and I took it and we were both very high on words of affirmation. Well, my third one, I think, was gifts. I love to receive gifts. Pastor Chris scored a zero on receiving gifts, and I cannot tell you the number of times I have thoughtfully gotten a gift for him that was sentimental and valuable. And of course, he was great. Don't stop giving him gifts. He loves gifts, but that's not his love language. I have to clarify that. He's like, if I you want, say that, people want, are not going to get me gifts well, anymore. No, <laughs> I, I, I want you. I like when you touch me. I know. Well, Hallelujah. But anyway, okay. So let's just get there. Like, bring me a gift or touch me. I'm like, touch so me. So there's, there's basically. It says easy. Mike, I thought it was a simple test. It's like, what do you want from your wife? I want you to touch me. Okay, there you That's go. That's it. You guys can bring me gifts. I don't want none of you touching me. Uh, <laughs> I think this is personal. But hey, but serious, without but being funny, but I want her to do this. I'm going to tell you right now. These two things right here, don't, we all did the thing. We all did the love language thing, and we like did it, and we're like, okay. But I'm being serious. This is really good. The, the, two, the next two things she talks about, life-changing. I'm not playing. I'm not kidding. Life-changing. Because I spiritually look through a lot of my life through a lens that I grab the word of God. And I, because of it, I just, I, I mean, I'm not, by no means am I perfect. And I don't know nothing. But as I'm learning, I'm going, wow, okay. So the love language thing is huge. And when she talks about understanding this apology kind of mindset, it's helped me become a better leader across the board. Because here's really, really, really good stuff. And PL's gonna talk about it in a minute, but I really want you, I don't, I'm not asking you to do this. I'm begging you to do it. I'm serious. Because it is amazing. Like I went to staff and I know how I'm wired now. And I could think of every kind of like, um, I, I thought of a moment when I was not at my best. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, literally like, don't lie to me. You better tell me the truth. It wasn't her. It was an office thing. It was like a job thing. And I was like adamant. Roxanne, I probably scared her. You know, she seen me like in a way, like, I'm like, don't lie to me. Just tell me this is the way it went. And I could fix it. We could do it. But don't sit here and tell me that's not what's going on. And I was adamant about it. And I didn't understand why I was so adamant about it. It's the way I understand communication. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand how she kind of, and it's not just like your apology, like how do I say I apologize, but I had to figure out how she was wired because I didn't understand it. Right. So if I don't understand how you're wired, see, this is the Bible. Jesus said, when he said, become all things to all men, what he's really asking you to do is really read the room of who you're talking to and learn how to communicate. At, and this is what we do. When I walk in a room and preach, you know what I do? I pulse it. How deep can I go? Where am I limited? What, like a room of a thousand people, it's hard. One-on-one, -on -one, it becomes easier. So, right? So in my house, how easy should this be? So you're doing this everywhere you go. But the thing is, if you don't understand the person on the other side, especially your spouse, man, this is hard. You're complicating communication across the board. And I didn't know. Well, again, it's like if I'm speaking Portuguese and he's speaking English, our conversation is going to go nowhere, right? 
And we are going to talk about those apology languages in a minute. But the first one, there's two quizzes we'd love for you to take. They're in your booklet. You can get the QR code. Don't take them now because they take some time. But we're going to just run through them really quick. Because to me, I'm like, oh, I've heard about the five love languages for years. But I was talking to some people, and they had no idea what I was talking about. And I thought, well, everyone doesn't know about this. But it's important. And it's important to retake it because what your love language was at one season of your life, it may have changed over time. You might go, I took this in 1985, and my love language was this, and now it's something totally different. So it's important to understand that when you're in relationships, you know, you want, when, when we choose and make a conscious choice to speak each other's love language, our relationship goes to a whole new level. It's selfish to go, I'm going to love you the way that how, Jesus and God, well, I'm not going to say Jesus. God does not say, love me how you want to love me. Mm. He says, love you how I tell you to love me. It's biblical. He, he used to, I, I've been, I've been in the Old Testament because I do this like chronological Bible every year. So I've been in the Old Testament. He was very specific about how to bring sacrifices and how to worship him. He didn't say, just come in here and worship me however you want. And I'll just, he said, <laughs> no, do it exactly like this. He gave us direction. So, you know, this is a biblical model for us to follow that there's a love language that our partner, our spouse has, or our fiancés, or, our, or maybe you're, maybe it's good for you to know so that you recognize how you give and receive love. And we're going to talk just briefly about them. There's five love languages. The very first one is words of affirmation, which is pretty standard words of affirmation. Um, basically, that's, that's where someone's love language and their value, it, it's acknowledgments of affection. Frequent I love yous. You're doing a great job. You're t- these words of affirmation are written or spoken. Sending a text message. What does that look like? You send yes. a text message to your husband and say, you're a great man and I'm proud of you today. That gives him, that charges his battery. That gives him, you know, you can say, well, I don't want to do that. No, I want to go wash his car. Well, maybe that's not his love language. So you look at that and you go, understand, like Pastor Chris and I, that we both have the same love language, our number one one. And you don't just have one. You can look, when you take this test, it'll give you percentages of where you're at with each one. And so words of affirmation, that just means that that means the most. That's what makes them feel understood, someone who that is their primary love language. Um, The second love language I'm going to talk about is quality time. Quality time is the person whose love language is quality time means that they feel the most adored when their partner actively wants to spend time with them, wants to hang out with them, wants to do things with them. They love actively. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Just spend time with me. Hang out with me. Come be a part of my life. Just be with me. That's that where that quality time is. It's about give me your undivided attention, not on your phone. We are this this generation is hard. Why, right? Because we all have. Where is my phone? We all have our phones all the time. My kids. My son will do this all the time. He'll be like eye contact. Eye contact. I'm like, I was sending this email before you came in and talked to me, but I'm trying to make more of an effort because I know that I tend to, st- I, one, we're multitaskers, right, ladies, that so we multitask, we're doing, and they're like, eye contact, I need you to talk to me. Well, someone whose love language is quality time, that's extra important, that if your husband or your wife's uh, love language is quality time, make sure you make time in the day to put that phone down, to look at them in the eye, to talk with them, to communicate with them, to say, hey, I just want to go on a walk with you. I want to spend time with you. Um, the third love language is acts of service. Um, if your love language is acts of service, you value when the person that you love goes out of their way to do something for you. Maybe that's washing your car. Like my, I, I don't really get to, acts of service doesn't float my boat. I mean, I do like it that Pastor Chris cleans the bathroom. I think that's awesome. And I do tell him if he'll just vacuum for me, you know. Um, Thank you. I like it. Touching. 
It's not my love language, but I definitely appreciate it. So don't stop. As long as there's that. touching involved, I'm down. We're gonna get to that last. That's the last one. Careless but, vacuum, but the thing is, whatever. So maybe if your if your person's love language is acts of service, they value when you do something to make their life easier for them. That might be making the coffee in the morning, that you have coffee waiting for them, or that you go out of your way to clean the car, or you do these things. It's acts of service. This love language, people, there's you know how some people say actions speak louder than words. That would be the love language probably for you, that you don't care about what you say to me. I want to see what you're going to do for me. And that's how you prove it. So a lot of times it just makes them comfortable. Um, Gifts is another love language. Gifts is pretty straightforward. Um, You feel loved when someone gives you a visual symbol of love. I I think that's like my third one or something. So after Pastor Chris found this out, he would go to the store and bring me back like Giardelli chocolate like every day. And I was like, honey, I'm not eating sweets in November because Carrie will kick my butt. Right. Um, But he would bring me he would just bring me candy or something or he would just bring me a card or he would bring me something because he found out. You want to know what meant more to me than the chocolate that I couldn't eat? The fact that he knew that that was my love language and he was trying to do something for me. It meant so much. That was like I so appreciated that effort and I loved it so much, you know, that because I'm like, wow, that was so great because he would come home and be like, oh, I got you something. Oh, here's a card for you. He started bringing me gifts. Do I need gifts to fill up? I don't need them, but I sure do like them. And it did make me feel valued. It made me feel loved. And so a lot of times the gift giving, you know, it's, it's not just about giving a gift. It's about the thought behind it, that you were thinking of me enough that you went out of your way to do this for me. Um, and the last love language here, do you want to, you just talk about it. Here you go. It's your favorite one. You want, I'll give you the paper. Touching. Touching you. No, I'm just kidding. Physical touch. What is there to say about physical touch? No, I think one of the things is like, yeah, you know, some, it was funny. It's, you know, it's really funny. It's comical. Now, you know, I just caught this. Um, yeah, physical touch means something, of course, to everyone. Some people more than others. But it's, you know what's really funny? I'm a touchy guy. So the comical thing is that I, I, that's how I receive it. You know what I mean? Especially from you. But I'll, I touch people all the time. And somebody just commented last week. It was, I, nobody was with me and Paul were out. And there was someone that's a real, like, sharpshooting guy. And one of the ladies noticed, she goes, he doesn't touch anybody. He kept touching you. He kept touching your arm. I, this was not my observation. This was the, the girl that was in the place. She says, he kept touching your arm. He doesn't touch anybody. He's a real closed-down guy. He's a real, he's not like that. But he kept touching you. And I thought of that just when you said that. It's like, Kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's like, you know, something that you receive, you know, you, you attract, but you unlock it in other people. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a passion that you have. So yeah, of course, when it comes to PL, I think physical touch is important. Some of you, it might be <laughs> your, your go-to. Some of you might be like, just some people are like standoffish and just like, get away from me. So does that mean I go around hugging everybody? No, yes, but probably. no, but I'm, I'm, I'm handsy. Amen. Man, I, I, yeah, I'm handsy. So you mean so if you get around me, I might hug you. So get used to it. All right, what do you want me to tell you? No. But I like receiving physical touch from PL especially. Okay. Is that what you want me to share? Yeah, absolutely. I wanted you to say whatever you wanted. I don't, well, I I'm thought that gonna, was good. I'm not going to stifle you. Say whatever no, you want. No, I think we should touch one another later. But anyway, so <laughs> let's. See, that's the only time you ever respond, the guy in the back there. Sound man screams out every time there's something good. All right. 
But, but seriously, the love language, I want you to take the test. And this one's big. I really believe this. And I'm gonna let PL kind of really press into this because we're not gonna keep you all night. And we got some giveaway stuff. And I think this is a get, get it going kind of thing. And we want you to leave here really, really good. I'm gonna tell you, if you figure out, if you dial in these love languages, and don't be like, oh, I know what I'm doing. We don't. As, as solid as the word of God is. And here's the thing, like sometimes like, well, you know, we, we don't have any problems. Then you have a bunch of unresolved issues. Because you're gonna, you put two people in a room, look at a job. If you put two people in a cubicle, somebody's gonna get into it sooner or later. How can you live with somebody in the same house, you know what I mean, and not have some disagreement? Now, I'm not saying you gotta get volatile, but you're gonna have disagreement, okay? End of story. And if you don't think you do, whatever, God bless you. But anyway, Jesus even told you, and the love, 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 I mean, I think I got a window of love, the love side. It's hard for me to understand love when I see the man side. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I gotta love you. Well, why do I gotta love you? How am I gonna love you? Do I have the capacity to love? Jesus said, you love them with the love I gave you. So what you gotta get a revelation of is the God side, then the man side becomes easier. So you see what I'm saying? So now watch this. So yielding to love is where we all gotta go. But watch this. If, because this is a big one. You don't reap what you sow so much as this like this. Let me get it. Where you sow it. Let me break it down. You don't reap what the thing that breaks it down, I think, is this. I look at PL and I go, all right, I'm gonna sow love into you, but if you don't start sowing it back into me, I'm gonna stop doing it. That's any relationship. But God never said you're gonna reap where you sow. He said you're gonna reap what you sow. So once you get that law figured out that I'm just gonna sow love whether she gives it to me or not, and God, the Bible says whatever you do unto men, God will do unto you. So he'll fill up your gaps. He'll fill it up. You see what I'm saying? So that's the man side, God side. So like if I say, okay, love Mike. Well, I love Mike. Yeah, okay, but I, Mike's gonna be human and I'm gonna be human and we're gonna let one another down. He said, no, no, don't love Mike with human love. Love Mike with the love I gave you. Right. So when you understand love is this, God gave me love to go love you with. If I hold back the love that God gave me, he's gonna hold back what he's given me. So I don't love you based upon performance. I, ba I love you based on his performance. See what I'm saying? Because that means, that makes me, see what you're talking about, unconditional love? How in the heaven am I gonna love you with unconditional love when you're a human and gonna let me down? Right. I don't judge it on the human side. I don't love you based upon the man side. I love you based upon the God side. Now I just keep loving you. So that's why you gotta stop with that little hang up like, oh, I'm loving you, you're not changing. Oh, I'm loving you, you're not different. Oh, I'm loving you, I'm sowing. No, he never said you're gonna reap where you sow. He said oh, you're gonna reap what you sow. So he'll, he'll protect your heart, he'll keep you safe, he'll do all that stuff. So this is big, because I, I wanna get in this and I'm gonna let PL run with this, because she's got the notes and it's really good. All right, this right here is gonna change your life. Yes. This is a game, this, what she's gonna talk about now, this apology language stuff, is the biggest game changer I really think. Because in my spirit mind, I'm like thinking like, what are you thinking? You know what I mean? Like, it just like, how does that even, uh, that's not even true, it doesn't even line up. It's like. It's really wild how we're, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, whatever, we're polar opposites. Yeah, we are. We don't think the same. She's thinking here, I'm thinking there. That doesn't mean she's just emotional. She just doesn't think like I think. How many times have you not looked at your spouse and just like, who in the world are you? Like, what do you, where do you get this from? Where does this come up? And that's not mean. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I'm like, how do you even, what? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Come, you guys lie in church. It's really bad. You know what I mean? It's like, 
you don't love me. What do you mean I don't love you? I'm like, I love God Almighty. I love you more than anything in the world besides God. What do you mean I don't love you? Not that she's like, well, you don't, you don't want to spend time with me. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? And then she's like, well, you don't date me. I was like, going to Publix is a date. Come on, what are you talking about? We've been no, dating all no, day. No, 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 wait. Show of hands from all of the ladies. Is going to the gas station to put gas in no, your car No, that's not what date? I said. Raise Publix. your hand if Publix you think that's is different. a date. Not gas. No, we were going to, we actually went to the gas station. He goes, look, we're on a date. I said, try again, buddy. That is not a date. We went to Publix. I said, that's dating. And the gas station. And Publix. Lowe's is a good place for a date. And if we go to Sam's, they give out snacks. We ate and went to dinner. Just kidding. It's a cheap date. Just kidding. Just kidding. But I was like, hey, when you got kids, but you got to realize something. When you got little kids, I was like, bro, if somebody's not screaming, throwing up, or taking a poop, we're winning. Let's just be straight, man. I was like, this is like calm. I mean, it's quiet in the car. Stay in the car. Don't get out of the car. You know what I mean? It's like if you don't talk and I don't talk, it's going to be peaceful in here. You know, but it's like this is life. You know what I mean? I get it. Some of you are in that spot where like, hey, you got to build those disciplines. But this is huge. And we're going to get into this thing. This was big because I think this really helped me get it for me was we understood. I think it's almost like this. It's beyond. For me, it was beyond just apology it was, it was communication in process. I didn't know how she processed information, and neither do you, because I know how I process information. You know what I mean? I know how I'm, I'm like, I was like, and then you know what I was doing? I was doing this. I'm fighting for her to, you, you're seeing it all wrong. Why are you, what are you talking about? It's not like that, it's like this. And the danger is, you don't realize, like, why don't you see this, but this is the lens I look through my life with. And just because it's my lens, doesn't mean it's the right lens. Come on, man. And then what I'm doing is instead of me going, what do you see? Then she's arguing with me to see what she sees. I'm arguing with her to see what I see. And all we got is strife and arguing in the middle of what we should just be agreeing on and finding a way to navigate. And she's going to explain it, and then you're going to see it, and then we're going to talk about how we saw it, and it was like, oh, I get it now. Because this is the big one, right? You have non- we do this, man, it's bad. And I tried to get it with God, but I had to get the natural understanding and God because I knew what I needed to do in God. But sometimes until you get natural application, you ain't, you know, a lot of the stuff you get in the word, I tell you guys this in church all the time, you're not gonna believe what the Bible says about you. Sounds crazy. Because just because it's the truth doesn't mean it's your truth. And until you make agreement with it, it doesn't really work for you, even though it is the truth. And that's why somebody has to validate it in the earth for you to agree with it so you can believe it about yourself. And God's got no problem sharing that for a season while you're growing, and then you start developing your own fruit. That's why you gotta have a voice to unlock your potential in life. You see what I'm saying? So I need a natural application, because I think, like, I'm looking at her, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, why do you think like that? And it's not, you know, where you grew up or your background or your family. You know, it's probably got a lot to do with it psychologically. It's probably got a little bit of why we have the lens we have. But then again, here we go. I just had somebody, and they came to me, and they said, I really need help. I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to help you, not because, not because I can't. If, you don't, if you're not going to have the word of God be the final authority in your life, I can't help you. I can lead you and steer you and try to guide you, but you probably need professional help at another level. Because when I start giving you biblical answers and you start going, I don't know, I mean, I'm gonna tell you right here now, I don't know how these lost people are making it. Because they have no, they have no, they have no governor. So if nothing's governed you and you just believe everything or anything and all this stuff, oh my God, 
I mean, I don't even know how, I don't even know how guys like uh, Bob counsel people that just don't have that common core. Like, I don't care about that. I would be like lost. So when you see this, this test, I, I, I want you to take this test hands down. I, if you leave this room, seriously, if you leave this room tonight or you're watching online, we'll put it online so they know how to do it because I don't even know how to do it, but I did it. You cannot leave here and really affect your future if you don't do these two things. You're not really, you know what I mean? You're not really being serious about your relationship. But if you do these things, it's going to, like, I get her now. Totally, hands down. I get her. I just go, okay. Like, when you're done with this, I go, okay, go ahead. And I'm sitting here just, like, chilling. Before, I was like, I was like a lawyer. I'm building up my case. Yeah, like, I'm like, all right, wait till she, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, cross-examination's coming. Go. Bring it. You do this, you do this. I'm like, got an answer for that, 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 that. You done? Are you done? You done? Okay, good. Bam, 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 bam. No, bro. That ain't it. You know what I mean? That's how you're wired, right? Because you fight to get everybody to see what you see. Because until you see what I see, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Come on, right? Now I'm just like, that's cool. That's just a different way of looking at it. That's great. Wonderful. Yep. Telling you, man, this is good stuff. You got to get this dialed in. And it helps you. And you know what? Helps you with your kids. Helps your relationship. I'm making the office take it. Because you want to know why? Just Rox is close. You know you guys are close. If I know how Rox processes information, I literally, after I took it, seen why I respond the way I respond. I've had people come to my office basically like, dude, pastor, you don't even believe what I did. And I've literally gone, if you just tell me you did it, we'll figure out how to fix it. I will tell people, what do I tell people when they come in for counseling? If you don't, if you what? Lie to me. If you lie, I can't help you. Not because I can't help you, but we have no place to truth. So, but my thing is, just, just admit, admit it, and I'm good. We'll fix it. Or we'll restore it or reestablish it. You see what I'm saying? But if you're lying to me, I don't even know how to help you. Because I don't even think I can. But it's the way I, I, I'm processing things. Like, oh, I can fix anything. The world's falling apart. I'll fix it. I just know how to do it. I'll do it. We'll get it done. We'll fix anything. I had guys come to me, man, I'm in so much trouble. I was like, don't worry, we'll get out of it. Just, you got to just bucky up and say, hey, here's where I'm at. Here's what I did. We'll work it out, man. We'll figure it out. But this is the thing, and then you got to see this. So this is really cool. It is. I would like to see a show of hands of anyone who's in a relationship here if you have never had any conflict in your relationship ever. Raise your hand. And all the liars. In and the if you raise your hand, you liars burn in a right lake of fire. because you're lying. I said this, if you've never had conflict, either, either you're lying or you have a boring relationship, okay? Conflict in relationships is not a bad thing. Just remember that. Conflict is not bad. In fact, you know, there is no relationship that is free from conflict ever. Um, it, all relationships have some form of conflict, but you have to understand this. The, 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 basically, the purpose of conflict is not for, to come to resolution, it's good. Isn't that what we do sometimes? We just want to resolve the problem. My kids come and tell me something I'm, oh, I'm really bad about. It. I'm learning to be better. Somebody tells me something, I will come up with the 52 things you need to do to fix this, and you need to just do this. And like Lauren will tell me something sometimes, and she's like, Mom, I don't need you to fix this. I just need you to listen to me. But I'm a fixer. I'm a doer. I'm going to play. Is anyone else like that? You know, can somebody make me feel better, please? Okay, thanks. Um, so you know what? Re the, the goal of conflict the purpose of it is not to find a place of resolution. That's not what it is. The purpose of conflict is to come to a better understanding of your partner, to understand them better, 
to understand how they think, how they feel, mm, to come to that good. place of understanding. And so as Pastor Chris said, you know, I've heard of the five love languages. I had never heard of the five apology languages ever, but they're in your little book. And I encourage you guys, I mean, like we said, I'm begging you to take this test because it's awesome. It's in your, it's in your book there. And I want to talk to you. There's five ways that each of us has a preferred way that we receive an apology. And if you are apologizing now, I told you one great thing is pastor Chris and I have virtually the same love language initially, but we are polar opposites when it comes to apologizing. I've spent hours and days and years (laughs) trying to get Pastor Chris to genuinely repent because that is my apology language. But guess what? He could care less if you ever repent. He doesn't care if you make it right. He just wants you to own it and say, I did it. I do not care if you said you did it. What are you going to do to fix it? How are you going to show me that you're changing? How are you going to repent? And what are you going to do for me to make it better? That's how I receive an apology. And when we did this test, it was like the light bulb came on. And I said, oh, so for like 13 years out of our 17-year marriage, I wish I would have known this. Cheers. Well, I'm going to talk to you really quick, and it's huge. It's great with your kids. For those of you that have children, learn your child's apology language. It will help you. My kids are teenagers, and I can just, we, PC is always like, why are you arguing with them? I'm like, I'm not arguing. I'm the mother. They're supposed to listen to me. You're Does it work like that? I have to learn how they communicate in order, and I will tell you this, the next two things we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about these apology languages, and then we're going to give you a system that you can use that's in your book that, as I was once told to do, I encourage you to take a screenshot of it and leave it on your phone because if you'll do it, how many of you know if you do the Word of God, it will work 100% of the time every time? But how many yeah. of you know when you don't do the Word of God and you don't do what the Word says, then you're sitting there wondering why you're in the middle of a mess, right? If I, if I take my thoughts captive, if I do the things that I know to do in the Word... I'm cool, but the minute I deviate from that system, it's like all hell breaks loose in my life, literally, right? So I'm going to talk to you just for a minute about the five apology languages because they're powerful and you need to understand them. The very first one is expressing regret. That's just basically like saying, oh, I'm sorry. It sounds obvious enough, but a lot of times, how many of you have let pride get in the way of just saying, I'm sorry? You don't want to say, I'm sorry. You want to explain why you did it. You want to explain why it wasn't a big deal. You don't really just want to say, you don't want to humble yourself and say, I'm sorry. Um, so along the lines of saying that, that type of apology, it, it, it involves like your understanding that you want to know what? I'm expressing regret. I understand that I really hurt your feelings. I tell Pastor Chris, did I hurt your feelings when I said that? And he's like, no, because he's it's like doesn't have any feelings, I guess. But they're in um, you. They're they're in me. I have all the feelings. I've feelings give enough them for back both to of me. us. But you know what it means By going to someone me. and it doesn't just mean <laughs> it doesn't just mean saying I'm sorry. <laughs> it means saying, you know what, I'm gonna just t- look at Stacy because she's agreeing <laughs> with me. It means saying, you know what, Stacy, I, I I may have hurt your feelings when I did that and I'm sorry. I'm expressing regret for now I'm not just saying I'm I hate that when people go, I'm sorry. I go, what the heck does that even mean? Who cares if you're sorry? Yes, you're a sorry individual. That is correct. I don't need you just to say you're sorry. I need you to, like, so, so you look and go, that means looking and saying, you know what? I, I hurt your feelings with what I said, and I am truly apologetic. I'm so sorry about how I treated you. So that is expressing regret. The second one is Pastor Chris's favorite, accepting responsibility. All the accept he, responsibility people, raise your hand. He just wants you to say, 
I own it. Lauren came to me and she was like, this is my, this is my apology language. I said, I know you were raised by him. I got it. Like, What's wrong with that? That's nothing, a good one. Nothing, nothing at all. And did a good one though? But he, you know, so Pastor Chris, like in other people who are accepting, and here's the thing. Oh, we're going to talk about yours later. Oh, yeah, we are. I already, I already told him myself. Oh yeah. She's got to have an 18 step plan to get you this fixed. That's right. She's I got an erector you, set. She has a manual. Right. She, right. Tell them about your manual. I will. The manual of restoration. That's right. It's volumes. It's an encyclopedia thing. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's so like, anyway, <laughs> accepting responsibility just basically means you're going to own it. Yeah. I own that I did this. So that's like I said, Pastor Chris doesn't need an apology. He doesn't need you to come up with a plan to make it better. He needs you to look him in the face and say, you know what? I really screwed up. I'm going to own this. Like I said, I spent years that I wish I would have just said, oh, wow, I did say that. But I'm ser- sorry. But serious, serious pause? It totally works. The other day, she's like literally going to go on the, the, she's trying to figure out how to explain. And I was like, and she looked at me, she goes, yeah, I, I did it. And I did that. And I was like, perfect. Let's go. Move on. Next subject. It was, but it was serious. Like she was going to go give this like dissertation of why she did it. It's done. It's done. It was, it was, you know, yeah, we did it. And that's it. So I, that's my language. Here's my day. That's my head. That's my wires. So you know what I do with her? Now, I go, okay, she, uh, so what do I do? I pause. This is a big one, too. This is going to get to this. Non-verbal, my side, I got to sit there and just hear. We all interrupt. We're interrupting kings. This is cool. This is fun. This is back and forth. This is a different setting. But when she's talking her language.